I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Jack Cammer. For those of you being introduced to Jack for the first time, he came into the door-to-door scene as a force to be reckoned with. As an 18-year-old, he became a top 10 rookie at the Shield Coast National Organization. Jack has established himself as one of the most focused, driven teenagers in direct sales. Selling at a high level isn't the only thing Jack's known for. He's accomplished high performance status while demonstrating integrity through his sales process. It's not every day I get to sit down with a wonderkin to pick their brain, so I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. So hey, this being your first time here, I uh, just basically want to ask you a kind of general question here, but like, what, what's, what's your story, man? Like, where, where are you from? Like, what, what led you to becoming this, you know, sales icon that we know in our industry? Uh, where to start? Yeah. Um, so just like Tristan GP, I'm uh, born in a small town, uh, Marine City, just south of Port Huron, right on the river. Um, you know, growing up, I did really well in school. Um, you know, got a lot of A's, did well on my SATs and uh, I always worked hard ever since a young age. I started working when I was probably around like 12 or 13. My first job mm-hmm. was um, umpiring baseball games. So <laughs> That was your first yeah, first game? Yeah. Okay. Um, making 20 bucks a game. And then um, from there, like I said, did really well in school, went to college. Um, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a surgeon. That mm-hmm. was the, the whole goal in the long run. So um, I went to Oakland University for a year. Um, first semester went well. Second semester... I was I was just doing doing a lot of school work and I was like, is this really what I want to do for you know eight more year, eight more years, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what med school is. You do pre med and then you do med school. So um, that's when I got a, a DM from Tristan and Brent, <laughs> both DM me at the same time. They're like, um, <laughs> bug spray. <laughs> <laughs> you want to sell some bug spray? Yeah. Right? And then um, you know I, I came out this summer and and then from there it's it's wraps. But yeah, I've always worked hard from from a young age and that I can attest that to my parents. Um, my parents really pushed me to work hard. Um, ever since I was I was younger. So what? Uh, yeah, that's that's something that you know we, we see as far as reputation that you now have, right? One of the guys that that pushed everybody to be the hardest worker yeah. in the room if they want that title. Um, what what got you to like take a, a risk on a hundred percent you know commission job like this uh, from you know doing well in school and all that and, and pursuing that other path? Yeah, um, it was actually their New Year's party. So um, I was I was in my hometown, Marine City, for New Year's, and it was me and two other buddies and. And there was this party in Elginac, or there was a party in Northville, this, this mansion, this bug mansion, right? <laughs> so uh, we, were, we almost went to the Elginac party, which would have been insane because I, I probably wouldn't have came out. So I, we decided to go to Northville, the, the bug mansion, and um, that's when uh, Brent, and funny enough, Johnny Sombrano was talking to me about it. He pitched me on the job. He brought me to his bedroom, sat me down, and was telling me everything. He gave me a, a pitch, and I'm like, it's that easy? And that's, that's what, how you guys make your money? And I'm just sitting there mind blown. So I give him my info. I give him my number and everything. And then, uh, you know, we, we have a good time the rest of the night. And then I don't hear from him at all. And then uh, Brent and Tristan DM me. They're like, oh, I remember seeing you at the house. And, that's uh, how it happened, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's, okay. that's really why I was so sold on it because mm-hmm. um, the house did it. You know, I mean, other cars and stuff too. But I'm like, if these guys are making that much money doing this simple pitch mm-hmm. for four months out of the year, um, why can't I do it, right? Um, so I just kind of got that mentality, and you know, I just came out for the summer. I didn't have a summer job set up, so. Okay, that's a. I didn't know that part. Yeah, about Johnny, that's yeah. really cool, man. Yeah. Johnny's a beast. Yeah, love Johnny. Um, so when you got to when you got into this, uh, you know, selling bug spray for the summer, what were, what was the reality of the job versus like the expectation when you got there? Yeah. So training, I went. I went really hard. I was in college, obviously, while training. Um, but Brent 
did a, a really nice job of setting expectations for me. Um, he, he continuously told me over and over, this is extremely hard. You know, this is gonna be the hardest thing you do in your life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I was like, yeah, whatever, man. But um, when I hit my first door, uh, you know, end of April in, in Northville, um, I really wasn't shocked at it right away because like I said, Brent set proper expectations. Um, I realized really quick, it's more of a mental game than it is, you know, talent wise, um, which I love because, you know, I didn't have any sales skills coming in. You know, I had a killer work ethic and a really strong mentality and that's all you need for this job. So Mm -hmm. I think that's what did it. Uh, For you, you were a little bit of a a late bloomer too. Like your, your summer, I remember, I mean, you were one of the guys that was solid for, for the first part of the year. And then, you know, I I started seeing something later in the year where you just trended up as other guys kind of started to experience some fatigue. What was it like as you chased that, that top 10 rookie, you know, spot that you ended up landing in? Yeah. Um, so I I actually, you know, I talk about this a ton, but just that vision, um, that goal, you know, starting May 1st, I'm going to be a top 10 rookie no matter what. So May came, you know, May came and I was still figuring things out, but I was making deals because of the amount of people I was talking to. I was trying to talk to every single person in my neighborhood. Which How many fun. people were you talking to today? Um, May and, and June, I'd probably say uh, 80 to 100 per day in between wow. there. Yeah, okay. probably average 90 per day. Um, and then obviously July and August, that number goes down because you learn how to close more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really um, that vision, that knowing in the back of my head, I can be a top 10 rookie no matter what because um, I would always, you know, look at the, uh, you send out the heat maps for the week, right? And I was always looking at the ranks and every week it would go down. Sometimes not by a lot, but, um, you know, I would uh, get closer to the top 10 every single week. So just the vision, you know, and uh, knowing I want to go to Cabo. Talk to me a little bit about, there's, there's people that have questions, right? Everybody wants to be a top 10 rookie. Um, you achieve that. So talk to me a little bit about the preparation that went into, you know, you getting ready and geared up for the 2021 season. Okay. I signed later. I signed, you know, I think it was end of February. I signed. So um, knowing that other guys had three, four, five more months to prepare, that that really set a fire underneath me. So um, every day um, I would uh, read the, I'd read the manual every day, literally every single day, one to two chapters a day. I would watch one pick apart the pitch per day. Um, and then again, that stuff compounds. We're all about mm-hmm. compounding here, right? Mm-hmm. So that training compounds, and you do it daily. Um, but really what it comes down to is what Steve Cook said, consistency over intensity. Yeah. I didn't train for, you know, five hours one day and then take three days off and five hours another day. I just did one hour every single day. So be more consistent than intense and really just have the grit and the grind to do it. Um, were there any... Uh, books outside of Shield 101 and pick apart the pitch that you felt impacted you going into your your rookie year. Um, it was after it was our final interview with me, and you, you gave me two books, and I read them right away. It was uh, Way of the Wolf and 10x. <laughs> hey, let's two, go. One of my two of my two of my favorite books. Um, so those two, um, Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone. You can't go wrong with Grant Cardone in general. He's uh, Uncle Grant. He's, He's like I've, I've I've heard it said before. Uh, I want to I want to say originally that this was my quote, but I heard it said before somewhere else too. That uh, Grant Cardone, in my opinion, is like pre-workout for life. Like if you, if you exactly. listen to his books, like Seriously. you know, they're seller be sold. The ten. It's not even rule, sales. Like it's just it's life, like right? Yeah. So just you get you get amped up during selling. I feel like that's that's something that you know Grant Cardone's great for. Yeah, I, I love Grant, and um, like I said, those three: Way of the Wolf, Ten X, Seller Be Sold. But um, a, a sleeper is outwitting the devil. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably close to number one. My, my favorite book of all time. Okay. Um, just because in outwitting the devil, um, 
the, I mean, like long story short, to sum it up, you know, Napoleon Hill has a conversation with the devil. It kind of sounds cheesy, but it's really good. The devil goes to explain there's two types of people, drifters and non-drifters. Mm-hmm. Drifters are 98% of the population. You know, they drift along, they coast, you know, do whatever. The devil's controlling them. And then the 2% that would consider, you know, us, EcoShield, those, those 2%, the non-drifters, you know, they're, um, they're the ones that are, you might say, woke, you know, aware of the situations and, um, you know, just out of the norm, the outliers, mm-hmm. essentially, the outliers. I like that word, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've read that book as well, and I like it. I like yeah. the frame that the things that are negative for us, you know, are from from the devil, right? Yeah, during that conversation. Because um, I used to be the worst procrastinator and so superstitious. And after that book, cut out all that. I would say that book single-handedly changed me, like as a person, like how to, so? Um, just my habits, um, because I had so many bad habits that were so-called worshiping the devil. Mm-hmm. But I cut them out right away. And that's what really started um, that top 10 rookie process. I believe that. Love that. Okay. Yeah, Napoleon Hill has got some yeah. some wisdom, man. Seriously. Uh, have you read his, his other book? No, I have not. What's that uh, one? Think and Grow Rich. Okay. I got to hop into that one. There's, there's, yeah, there's some stuff that's impactful there as well. But I'll, I'll read that before May 1st. Let's okay. <laughs> yeah, you like it. You like it. One of the things that I've noticed that you and other you know reps that succeed at a really high level have in common is a sense of independence. <laughs> Right. Like they, they understand that they have the resourcefulness within themselves to figure things out versus like, oh, what do I do? I just ran into a wall. You know, I, I need somebody else to, to help me over yeah. it. Um, what do you think uh, has led to, to you kind of developing that? And, and why do you think it's so important for, you know, salesmen to, to develop? That's a, that's a great question. But um, from a young age, uh, when I started elementary school, I was in kindergarten for two weeks. They, uh, I was excelling at a really high level. They pulled me out. Um, they made me take a test. Um, I took the test and the next day I was in first grade. So for my age, I've always been surrounded by older people ever since Mm -hmm. a young age. So I think that really created that sense of independence because, um, older people are more independent than you, if that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but really just going back to being in college too, I was, uh, I was 17 years old and living by myself in college. I think that's what helped me be top 10 rookie, um, during the summer last year, because I was only 18 and, um, I've never wanted my, uh, my parents' help with anything. I've always wanted to figure it out by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love being a problem solver. I love finding my own solution. Um, but yeah, really moving, moving away to college at 17, um, just living by myself, creating that sense of independence. Um, that way when I'm on the doors, you know, like I told Brent straight up, like, I'm not going to ask you for anything. I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, I'm just a very independent person in general. If I have to get work done, I literally have to go away from everyone, just sit down by myself and do it. I cannot be surrounded by anyone. Same. Let me do my thing. I'm going to figure it out, and I'll get back to you in a couple hours. <laughs> Seriously, that's, that's mm-hmm. how it is. But um, that's massive because if you're not independent on the doors, um, you're going to fail at this job. You, you're, we're independent contractors, right? You're out there by yourselves. Um, you know, you can't ask your manager questions because, you know, I realized Brent had his goals last year. I didn't want to bother him. And you can ask him. I, I didn't call him at all this summer. You shoot him a text, right? Yeah. I mean, a voicemail if I got a quick question. But mm-hmm. um, really, yeah, I figured the majority of stuff this summer out by myself. So for, for guys that aren't really coming from that situation where they've always had that natural, you know, hunger to be independent, gotten out on their own at 17 years old, right? Um, what's, what's a piece of advice, you know, that you would give them to help them understand how critical it is for their overall professional development for them to become, 
you know, an independent, resourceful individual? Yeah, um, simple as this. Being independent equals growth. Um, if you're dependent on someone, you're not growing. When you're independent, you make tons of mistakes, tons of them, mm-hmm. and you grow from them and you learn from them. So that's the biggest thing. Um, if you're not independent, you're going to be trapped where you're at and you're not going to grow and you're not going to excel. It doesn't matter what profession you're in, um, but really independence is the key to growth in anything. I love that. Um, I, I agree with that entirely. I think that any time that I was was put in a position where it's like, dude, you got to figure this out. You exactly. know, like who, who, who are you, you going to ask? And like, no, I'm here. Got to use the resources I have. Exactly. Luckily, we have the Internet, which is, you know, really yeah, you clutch a lot of the time. Right. Um, but those are the things exactly what you said. Those push you to develop yourself, take yourself to a different level because you have to, you know, in order to handle the situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so as far as uh, your actual on the doors mentality, right? Uh, I get I get questions about you and JP. Hey, what what are these what are these guys like? Like, how do they knock these kinds of hours? Um, so let's just start with what were the hours that you knocked uh, this past summer? Um, so yeah, um, I would get I would get to area right around eleven ish. Now where we leave the meeting, now not till dark every single day. So. You know, dark in the summertime in Michigan's 8.30, 9 o'clock-ish. Yeah, we're, so, we're lucky. Um, you know, 10 hours a day. But really that stems from uh, loving the grind, um, you know, and, and back to my roots when I was a kid. When I was, like I said, I got my first job when I was 12. But when I was 14 and 15, um, you're going to love this, but I couldn't drive yet. And I was I was born, you know, in the country boy. So um, I would ride my bike to this this greenhouse, this farm at the end of our street um, every single day during the summer. I'd work. I work Monday through Saturday and then sometimes Sundays. Um, because I couldn't drive, though, I'd ride my bike a mile there, a mile back, and I work 9 to 5 every single day. So that's 48-ish hours a week. So really, the hours this summer, they, they weren't a big deal. Um, I could handle them pretty well. Um, and again, just realizing that's for four months out of the year. <laughs> it's, it's for four months, man. It's, it's not that bad. Hey, I, I get it. I got to follow up on that. Hold up. You said you're 14, 15. Uh, what compelled you to start working those kinds of hours at that age? Uh, my parents straight up, they, uh, like I, I test everything to my parents, my mom and my dad, they, uh, from a young age, they got me to understand that you can have anything in this life. You just got to work hard for it. Talk to me about the significance of identity and, and what that means to you, uh, in your day-to-day life. The biggest thing is just, um, knowing who you are, um, has to align with your goals. That's, that's really, that's all it is. What, what's the process like of shifting your identity? Say that you, you know, you came into EcoShield, um, you weren't quite, quite as hardened by life yet. Uh, and I mean that in a positive way, right? You're able to withstand rejection, like, you know, tough situations, all that. What's, what was it like transitioning into the identity that now you have where people see you as somebody that they look up to top performer, right? Like mentor in the sales game. Um, what was that? What was that shift like? Um, it was a lot easier because of our leaders, because of you, Ethan, Tristan, and Brent. Um, I looked up to you guys right away, and I, I noticed you guys are a lot different than the people I, I was surrounded with, you know, surrounded by before. So, um, just having, like, like I looked at you, and I like, okay, I want to be like you, like you know, just your mannerisms and everything, you know, your grit and just your look. Same with Tristan. Like I, I, uh, my biggest role model is probably Tristan just because, mm-hmm. you know, who, who wouldn't want to have him as a role model, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I agree. Um, yeah. But yeah. Really just comes down to the proximity is power. power. Um, you know, you have to, uh, you have to surround yourself with people 
who you want to be like. And that helped me a lot coming to EcoShield because mm. that made it a lot easier to find my identity because I'm surrounded by cleaners, right? I'm mm-hmm. surrounded by high performers. So that shift wasn't that difficult, you know. Um, but as soon as I show up to market, I realize, okay, I, I got to change really quick. Yeah, those those guys that you mentioned, I this exact same thing. I, I love the impact that they have on my life. You know, Ethan, Tristan, Steven, like those guys yeah. are, um, they're as consistent as you can come as far as being in alignment with their identity and always being on the path towards where they say they're headed. Like yeah. they're always working exactly. towards that. And it's funny that that you that you um, refer to me now because when I first came to EcoShield, you know, I was looking at like I met Gaines, and you know what the power that I learned of somebody that can set a positive example for you. Uh, so Gaines was opening up a lot of branch at the time, and now he's obviously you know solidified as one of the you know the top individuals in yeah. in our industry in the world, right? Yeah. But at the time he was he was not all the way you know to where he is today. But when I saw him. And so basically I say that to say he was busy. Like he was really yeah. genuinely busy flying from one office to the next office. He's got yeah. a law degree. He was helping with the foundations uh, of those offices and all that. Um, and I, when I identified somebody that like, hey, I would I would be happy to emulate like this individual, which I think is, you know, was completely rare. It was the first time actually for me that that happened where yeah. I was like, I'll accept this person as somebody to emulate. Yeah. Um, I didn't see him for like barely for like a couple of years, right? I saw him a couple times over the course of the next like couple of years until he started up the program to develop yeah. individuals at EcoShip, right? The MDP program. Mm-hmm. But I realized you don't need to spend a bunch of time with somebody for them to have an impact on you and for them to be your mentor. Seriously, yeah. I just emulated what I saw him do from a distance. And like he, he would post, he would post, you know, you've seen me do it. <laughs> He would post at being at the gym at 5 a.m., right? And yeah. I was like, that's like, that's dope, yeah, right? Like this exactly. guy, he, he's, he's already, he's making way more money than, than like you need in order to pay your bills and stuff. And he's still pushing himself like to the max. Just like obsessed with growth, man. There's something about that, right? But the cool thing is, is that I didn't spend time with him. I just, I just did what I could to emulate him from a distance. And that was enough. The point that I'm trying to make here is that a lot of people limit themselves to who they're able to put in that mentor category by saying I need to like have a, an ongoing yeah. everyday or weekly or even monthly relationship yeah. with this person where we connect. That's just not the case. You're limiting yourself. You can choose anybody in this world with the technology age that we live in and you can put them in that mentor category. Exactly. They can impact you in the way that you're talking about and that, that I was impacted in. So yeah. um, anyway, that's a, something, something I noticed. So I think one of the things that are important for not just salesmen, but people that you know are, are are heavy into communication. And you know what? It's everything. Yeah. Um, the difference between confidence and arrogance. Like, what what is that? Um, well, let me, let me ask you, what, what do you think the difference is between confidence and arrogance is? Okay. Um, I, so I think that arrogance comes from a place of insecurity, right? Where you, you want to be seen a certain way, um, but you're not seen that way currently. And so you're putting on this, this front... And it comes on. It comes out as it's, it's ugly. Like it's it's I love that. it's yeah. not reality based, right? You're you're coming from a place of insecurity. You're overcompensating. You're being arrogant, right? Yeah. Um, whereas confidence, I feel like, builds upon itself. Where for for me, it's always been. I know, I know, that I'm willing to do what other people are not willing to do. To achieve what I need to achieve, and by that I mean, like I'll wake up earlier. I'll, I'll work out yeah. harder. Exactly. I'll, I'll read those books. 
I'll make those phone calls. Um, I'll get rejected a million times and not care. Um, and I will get there. And love that. when you're alone and you're working towards your goals, when nobody knows that, I feel like that energy builds up and like, you know, you're maybe at the gym, like for me, I'd be at the gym early, like making those final reps by myself. And that builds upon itself. Like when I meet somebody, I'm like, I know that you're like, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. hey, hey, yeah, like, yeah. I, you're, you're cool and everything. I just like, we'll shake hands. I just just say, like, I know without saying a word, yeah. I'm willing to do what you want, like exactly. in order to, to achieve I what I that. need to achieve. Right. Yeah. So um, and same. And so that's that's confidence, um, which you can pair with humility. But I think it's really important for leaders to be confident. And and some people perceive confidence as arrogance when it's not. Yeah, um, very true. And that can also come from a place of insecurity or maybe just a lack of understanding. But that's yeah, I, I, that's like um, that's like the perfect definition between you know the difference. But um, that's how everyone looking at me is feeling now. You know, I, I came back to my hometown, and a lot of people don't like me now because um, I have confidence, and they perceive it as arrogance. But I'm not arrogant. I promise you. I, no. I, what, yeah. What's the point? Like, why we're not we're not here to like step on other people and like exactly. make them feel small and us feel I'm here to help people out. <laughs> it's a, well, it's a whole abundance versus scarcity mentality, yet genuinely, right? Like That's it. You had a phenomenal experience. Uh, you, you've made shifts in your life mm-hmm. that are real and evident. And I bet you that anybody out that reached out for help from you, you'd be happy to, you'd be happy to, to help them, right? Absolutely. So it's a, um, people will, you know, let sometimes their insecurities show when an individual next to them is, is doing things that that are good, right? Because they might let themselves compare themselves to you, which which is not healthy. Yeah. Compare yourself to, to yourself, right? That who you were yesterday and get better. Yeah, yeah. And in contrast to you, they might feel like, you know, insecure, right? Mm-hmm. They might be looking at you and it's a mirror that's not favorable because they're seeing how much work you're putting in. And so, yeah, there's, there's always going to be, like, I kind of love it because it's validation to a certain point as long as I'm operating in the way that I feel that I should, you know, and I, my, my, I'm coming from the right place. I, I expect that some people will have a problem with that because I yeah. expect that, you know, the things that I'm willing to do that they're not might make them feel uncomfortable. And that's not the case for everybody because if yeah. they operate off an abundance mentality, what do they see? Like I, I see somebody like you going as ham as you're doing and it's inspiring, man, because it's right in front of my face. It's proof that it can be done. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I love that energy. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there that will love what you're doing mm-hmm. and you'll be able to tell a lot about them in that way. And there's people that will have a problem with what you're doing. And it speaks volumes, you know, and it's okay. Like, I hope that they figure it out, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so that's, and those are my thoughts there. No, I love that. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I want to see, are there any athletes that you looked up to or look up to and their mentalities that have, have impacted, you know, your your overall drive, mindset, all that? <laughs> um, definitely Tom Brady and Kobe, funny enough. <laughs> the guys in here, let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, even The Rock, too, which he's not an athlete, but he's just a... He's a beast. Yeah. Um, but Tom Brady, just because of his schedule, you know, we talk about his schedule all the time. Um, you know, he's just, he knows his, he knows his day three years from now <laughs> to the, to the day. That's mm-hmm. insane. Just having that consistency. I really took that from him. Uh, even Kobe with his schedule. Um, there's this video, you know, it's viral. He talks about, uh, let's take an example. You wake up at nine, you train for a couple hours, nine to 11. Uh, you know, you, you come back, you rest for 12 to one train for, you know, two more hours and then rest again. All right, now let's wake up at four. You know, you train from four to six. Um, rest for a couple hours. You train from nine to 11. Rest for a couple hours. You know, get four training sessions in when you wake up that much earlier. And, and that's literally how I took my, my off season from him. 
I wake up and you know five six a.m. and just um, start training my guys and, and getting ready for the day. But uh, those two, and then even the rock, just his consistency, um, just because he can go off four hours of sleep, which is I can't, which I is can't. insane. I can't either. I've, tri- I've tried. I can do it for three days max, and then I'm like, nope. Exactly. Yep. You crash eventually. I can go off of you know five to six hours. Um, I feel like now that's the biggest thing with EcoShield that changed me. I only need six hours of sleep, which is insane. Same. I can do six. Yeah. It's my minimum. Like last night, I'll give you an example. I was, I was out with my guys in Lansing, knocking, and you know, I drop them off um, in Southfield. So I get home at like 1 a.m. and I wake up this morning, get ready for this at 7. Just natural, mm-hmm. you know. I don't need an alarm or anything. Um, I set my alarm for 7.30 if for some reason I sleep past that. But mm-hmm. uh, I can get six hours of sleep and, and be fine. I I think any more than that is oversleeping for me. That's just how, how I process. And that I kind of got that from The Rock because... I realized, okay, this guy can get four hours of sleep and still train and do everything he's doing. Um, that's insane. I think, I think uh, one of my favorite quotes, quotes about sleep, and I think I'm quoting this right, okay, is Arnold Schwarzenegger, what he says about sleep. He's like, if you need, and I, I believe that I'm quoting this right. All right, so double check it. But he says, if you, if you need more than six hours of sleep, sleep faster. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that is, yeah, that's hilarious. That's exactly right, man, seriously. It's, um, but, hey, I know that all different – uh, people need different amounts of sleep. You do have to find what your body can deal with, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to find what your body can deal with. For for me, I found a similar thing, man. Six hours of sleep, yeah. and I and I'm good. I want to ask you a very specific question here because there are a lot of guys that are in this position nationally. Maybe you know a thousand plus guys that are going to be hitting doors. What is the one thing that you would tell yourself at the beginning of your first summer? from the position that you're currently in? What's that one piece of advice if you could talk to yourself your first day? I go to bed a little bit earlier, honestly. Sure, um, yeah, that's, no, that's huge. Yeah, um, just because I'd stay up late. Um, but overall, looking back on my rookie summer, I don't have any regrets, really. Um, that was my mentality coming in May 1st. I, uh, I promised myself when August 31st shows around, um, I'm not gonna have any regrets because throughout high school, ton of regrets. Uh, sports, I wish I would've played more sports. Um, girls, <laughs> um, friend groups, stuff like that. Ton of regrets through high school. So that's one thing I promised myself um, when I signed with EcoShield. I'm going to finish the summer. I'm going to leave everything on the table for the four months. And, and looking back at my rookie year, I, I can honestly say that was pretty true. You know, you're always going to say you can work harder because you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if I was to tell myself one thing looking back at my, you know, if it was my first day, um, probably just get to bed earlier um, because I would get, you know, uh, like six hours of sleep, I can do six hours of sleep, but the doors <laughs> need a little, little bit more. Sure, than that. sure. <laughs> seven, I, I seven agree. hours maybe. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing really. Yep, it's it's a it's a discipline type thing that you learn. And this year, you know, you'll know yeah. from last year. But you you literally have to if you go a couple nights in a row that you're up too late, you can compromise feel your, and you can compromise your immune system. Yeah. Like you you literally have to understand exactly. that this is if you want to be competing like you do with the top guys right? They're doing every little thing to give themselves the advantage, yeah. right? Whether that's, you know, you got to drink a certain amount of water per day. You take whatever it is you, nutrition-wise that you need to take, get to bed by a certain time. Like you, you what is, what are the things that you're going to do to make sure that your body can go through this four months and carry your mindset exactly um, to, to achieve your goals, right? And so, then really quick, I have another one I yeah. just thought of. Um, continue to read during the summer. May, I was pretty, I was pretty solid about it because I read um, Relentless and Winning by Tim Grover during mm-hmm. May. Uh, two solid books, all-time favorites. But um, June, July, August rolled around. I didn't really read that much. I read the training manual, but um, I want to stick to reading more books during the summer this year. Okay. So a little bit earlier, well, earlier to bed, Yep. get adequate sleep, 
and then continue ingesting new information. Exactly. I think that's huge. So I feel like uh, th- while there are quite a few things that, that separated the team that you were on this past year from, from other teams in our industry that made us uh, the best and were actually able to claim that authentically, mm-hmm. right? Um, one of the things that I love about our team is that we understand the importance of our technicians, right? And like they're, they're a critical part of Everything. what's going on, right? Like they're part of our team. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about your first year at EcoShield working with a, a high quality service and how you formed, you know, good relationships with your service professionals? Yeah, um, two main things. Um, one, helping them out if they're, if they're behind, you know, on, because we have the premium service. We, we, we take a lot longer than um, other, other companies. Yeah. That's for a good reason, right? So um, helping them out, you know, grabbing the D-Weber, you know, scrubbing down the webs for them. But also... And by the way, just helping them out only with the D-Weber without product, uh, we don't do the other exactly. stuff that no, is no. not legal, yeah. but we can do that in a safe time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, doing that and then um, tipping them. You, you got to tip your techs, you know. Um, I would I would throw guys, you know, 20 to 30, maybe even 50 bucks. I had this one guy going to the attic for me, and I was like, yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah. Don't worry, guys. You don't have to tip 50, $50 yeah. for a job. No, that's, he, that's uh, he, he went in the attic, and he pulled out a dead bird. Happiest customer ever, I'm telling you. Happiest customer ever. Yeah, he deserves He deserves something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I tipped him 50, but... Um, overall, just understanding, like you said, if we don't have the technicians, we don't have anything. We, yeah. we can't, we can't sell. They make the service. We're They're, a team. Yeah. We're a squad. So just taking care of them and overall just, um, you know, chopping up with them when they show up, you know, um, having good interactions, then just helping them out and tipping them. Love that. Love that. Um, and then another thing about our team uniquely too, what was it like coming in? So, I mean, you added to, you were part of the team that added to the the organization that was here where we were coming off of an undefeated season, right, in 2020. Uh, and we ended up winning the Shield Championship national yeah. title that year. And then this next year, what was it like coming into that and then duplicating that? We went 10-0 and 0 again, right? Yeah. Won the national championship again. Like, exactly. What, what was that experience like? Um, best experience of the world, you know, knowing you're, you're, you're part of the best team out there of all time. Um, it's great. And knowing you can like, contribute to that. And really, Brent set the sent the mantra right away. You know, um, as soon as I signed, okay, when we win Shield, this, when we win Shield, that. You know, we're gonna do all this stuff. We're gonna go on a Shield trip again, and we're gonna go undefeated. And he just set that mantra right away and bought me in like crazy. And I was literally grinding like Shield week. Oh my god, it was it was insane. I'd be popping caffeine pills out there, just literally sprinting from door to door, just trying to sell as many people as I could. And um, it was just the best experience of life, you know, and it all starts with our culture here, right? Mm. Culture is everything and, and knowing we're the best to ever do it. Um, I, I love that. I wouldn't want to be a part of any other squad. Hey, that's, that's phenomenal. And huge shout out to Brent, man. That oh. is one incredible, like <laughs> yeah. he embodies a cleaner that Tim Grover talks about. Yeah. Great leader, man, to the guys in the doors, all that. Um, there's so many guys we could talk about. Steve and Tristan. And Ethan. Yeah. Ethan. So yeah. many guys, man. Um, so that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's not easy to do. Um, a lot of people they, they don't really understand. Like, what do you what do you mean your team never loses and you're one of the biggest yeah. companies that does this, right? <laughs> yes, that's 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 correct. Um, another thing that I want to hit on, I've asked this same question to a couple guys, but I think it is so significant in what it is that we do uh, for a plethora of reasons. But what was it like coming in to a culture in door to door that values integrity on the doors? and setting proper expectations with customers yeah. and keeping our cancellation rate. So and I've said this before, just because I'm so proud of the team for doing this. We broke the all-time record for most accounts sold simultaneously delivering the lowest cancellation rate. 
that's crazy. What was it like being a part of that team your rookie year that set the bar as far as quality goes and honesty and integrity on the doors? That's that's everything. That was one of the biggest things I looked for when I signed. You know, I'm not going to be one of these, you know, sleazy salesmen on the doors, right? Yeah. So um, I love that we make that, we push that so hard here um, because selling with integrity is everything. If you, uh, if you line the doors, they're going to cancel. If they cancel, you can't get paid. Mm-hmm. So what, why would you line the doors, right? Um, and don't get me wrong, there's like there's times where they ask me, do you guys take care of grubs and stuff like that? I could have signed them up, but knowing that in the back of my head, you know, I'm not doing that here because you know we sell with integrity, and um, really it's just great because of our attention, mm-hmm. you know. So if you sell with integrity, you're just selling yourself short. And um, solicitors in general, you know, door door salesmen just get bad reps, you know, because um, you know there's a lot of lot of guys out there who who are sleazy. Sure. So um, I, I made sure that right away. I'm coming into this this culture that is is honest, sells with integrity, and I love that. You know, we're mm-hmm. the we're the best service out there. Hey, that's uh yeah, that's so critical. So thank you for being a part of you know pushing yeah. that this this last year as well. Anybody that knows you uh, knows that your parents are really significant in your life, man. So mm-hmm. can you talk to me a little bit about the impact uh, that they've had on on your development. Yeah, um, first off, with with work ethic, you know, um, they're extremely hard workers. My mom has a a master's in education. My dad's an engineer. Um, my dad, he just never sleeps. He's always outside working, which I love. I'm the same same way as him. I'm a workaholic, and I love to work, especially outside. Um, but yeah, they just, like I said before, they, they taught me that I can get anywhere in life. You just have to work for it. You have to work hard. And um, my dad always says, hard work always pays off. Whenever I accomplish something big, he always tells me that, and I love that. But um, really hard work and then discipline as well. You know, I was, uh, I was very disciplined in school. And I always had my schedule set and organized. And that was like the main, the main things I learned from them before. What ways do you think, you know, your mother or father uh, helped to instill, you know, a disciplined mindset in you growing up? Yeah, uh, doing well in school. Um, they always push that and they always, they always knew I was gifted. School comes really easy to me because I'm a good problem solver and especially math. Uh, I do really well in math and like I said, problem solving scenarios. So um, they always pushed me hard in school, which I loved. You know, I could take it. They always pushed me to get the best grades possible. I remember, you know, in high school, studying for tests. My mom would always quiz me and stuff like that, even my dad. And um, really, they instilled that in me. And discipline goes so much farther than just school, right? Obviously, um, you know, in, in daily life, that helped me out a lot. Them disciplining me in school helped me in EcoShield and communication settings in general and just um, overall preparation for the task at hand. That's what they helped me out with a lot, the discipline. Love that. So how do you meditate, like referring to mindfulness, uh, visualization, et cetera, is what it says? Yeah, um, great question. So this is my routine every single morning. The first thing I do, I wake up, I make my bed, and then I uh, get into meditation. Um, I'll be the first to tell you I'm like a a self-taught meditator. Um, I I learned how to meditate by myself, and Hmm. and really, here's how it goes. So I I close my eyes. Um, It's going to get kind of deep here, but... You've seen the movie The Tooth Fairy, right, with The Rock? I've seen it once. Okay. Yeah, yep. You know um, you know that one scene, um, they're in a white room where it's all enclosed, right? And mm-hmm. there's like, they're hitting tennis balls or something. I don't really know. I, I watched the movie a couple of times. But just think of a white room. That's all I want you to think of, like a white box. So I close my eyes, and I get a little Sims character, and I put it in my head of myself. And then I put that white box around me. And it's tiny at first. And all the thoughts in my head... I push them outside that box, but they're still in my head. Um, so my Sims character is in that box. All the thoughts are in my head, but outside that box. 
And the whole time I'm saying to myself, okay, proper seal. There's a proper seal on that box. Thoughts can't come in. No good thoughts, no bad thoughts. It's simply neutral, right? Mm-hmm. So from there, I enlarge I, I enlarge the box. I go a little bit bigger. You know, I have some space to walk around now. My, my character's in there. Um, you know, it's still white. Everything's white in there. No, nothing, nothing cloudy. The thoughts are still in my head. You know, there's still a little bit of space for the thoughts. But again, proper seal. Proper seal, there's, there's no good thoughts coming in. There's no bad thoughts, nothing. Then from there, I... I uh, think of like a big explosion, maybe. Um, everything goes outside my head. The thoughts, the box, everything. But my character's still in my head. And now I look around and it's all white, but the the box is rounded because it's my head, right? Mm-hmm. So I, my character's in there. It's all white. Everything's around there. Um, and all the thoughts are now outside of my head. So I'm thinking proper seal, right? No thoughts can come into my head. No good thoughts, no bad thoughts, nothing. Simply neutral. Right. Mm-hmm. So from there, that's that's how I meditate. Usually takes, you know, some some days or some mornings it takes one minute, some mornings it takes five minutes. I got a lot of thoughts in my head. But that's how I really get to neutral. And then from there I go to uh this visual. Like this is crazy. I, I all came out with this on myself one day, just I don't know how but I did this in college too to stay stay neutral. But um so imagine the, the globe spinning, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're on a there's a globe spinning, then imagine a cloud above the earth. And you're sitting on that cloud and you're sitting there meditating and you're oscillating with that globe and you're spinning in sync with it. And then slowly your, your little character, it gets higher and higher because you're on top of the world. And then from there, that's it. I, I open my eyes and I'm good to go. And then I, on the doors, I utilize this because, you know, when someone slams the door in my face, when I get cussed at, cops get calling me, it's raining. Um, okay, proper seal. You know, I can't get in my head. It's mm-hmm. simply neutral. And all I see in my head is white. That's what I do to meditate. I love that. Yeah. Um, it's actually pretty crazy. I, like I said, I just, I closed my eyes one day and I came up with that. But I've been doing that every single morning since college, all the way through the summer, even the off season. I did that this morning. That's my morning routine. So I got a question for you. Wouldn't you have been better off going to med school? <laughs> um, that's, <what> <laughs> that's funny. Um, honestly, uh, no, because that's not what I want to do. I, I wanted to be a doctor because, um, not because of the money, that's what a lot of people think, but um, I, wanted to go, I wanted to go in the med field my whole life just because that always interests me and it always, you know, it's problem solving. You know, you patient comes to you, you solve their problem, and they go and you help people out. That was mm-hmm. the main thing. Um, and then one day, I think it was, it had to be um, summer going into senior year, maybe, or maybe summer going into the junior year of high school, um, I shadowed an anesthesiologist um, in Lapeer, and he let me go with the surgeons just because I wanted to see, you know, everything while I was there to, to know what path I wanted to go. And um, when I saw the surgeons, that really interested me because, you know, they get the it, just cutting people open <laughs> interests me. I don't know why. It's just it was pretty interesting. It's but um, yeah, you know, and then throughout high school, um, I wanted to do med field. Like I said, I wanted to be a doctor. And then I got to college and that's when it really shifted. You know, um, I looked at in the mirror. I'm like, do I want to do this for seven more years? Um, being a lot of debt and um Essentially, I just looked at the cost, the opportunity cost of college, you know, um, the, you know, the benefit of, of going to college versus, you know, if I were to not to, and you know, I'd save a lot of money and um, EcoShield hopped in you know, to my lap and I took that. But um, I wouldn't say I would be better off in med school. That's just an opinion because, um, you know, you can you get to do what you want with your life. And ultimately, I didn't want to go to school for seven more years and, and be in a lot of debt and still not have freedom, you know. With this job, we have four months of work for eight months of freedom. 
with being a surgeon, you still have to work every single day. So I just didn't want to do that. And that's why. And I have nothing against college. You know, uh, I'm all for college. If you want to be a doctor, be a lawyer or, you know, be an engineer, go to college by all means. But um, if you don't know what you want to do in life, um, get into sales. Um, try sales out, not even door to door, just sales in general, um, because everything is a sale in life. Straight out of salary sold. So that's what I would, I would do. Love that. What was his mindset when he dropped out of college and sacrificed everything to go all in? Again, looking at my peers, looking at everyone surrounding me, because I knew of Tristan and Brent in high school because we were neighboring schools. I knew of them. And um, essentially, I thought, if these kids can do this, I can do this as well. But uh, really just, um, I mean, still looking back at it, I don't, I don't know like why I was so bought in, but I just was. You know, It was a lot of Brent and Tristan and, and you guys too. But um, I looked at the, the earnings and figured, you know, if this is my only option, you know, if I make this my only option, if I finish the four months, there's no way I can't succeed. My rookies want to know, what were you doing different when everything started clicking for you last year? Really just talking to as many people as possible. Because when you talk to as many people as possible, you get the rejection and you, you learn the pitch better. It's as simple as that. So um, talking to as many people as possible and then also continuing the training manual and watching all the pick apart the pitches. Um, because you'll just learn the, the daily scenarios and, and literally write out your scripts, you know, write out your, what you want to say to this, this, and this, and then you're going to have it memorized. Oh, that may be diligent, and then you, you do shorten that learning curve when exactly. you end up talking to more people. Exactly. I love that. How do you bring yourself to stay on the doors and not justify taking longer breaks? Just because, again, we're only working for four months out of the year, so I can take lunch, I can eat lunches those eight months I have off. Um because we all love the saying, um, empty stomach, full bank account, right? Yep, yep. Um, but really, it just comes down to, you know, um, in order to hit my goals, I have to sacrifice. And I can't take breaks if I want to hit my goals. It's as simple as that. Uh, so what did what'd you do for calories, right? Yeah, yeah, Cliff Bars. Those are my go-tos. Um, I should have been sponsored by Cliff Bars this last summer. But, um, like, all I eat during the summer is uh, a Jimmy Dean's breakfast bowl for breakfast, which is like 500-ish calories, um, one cliff bar at one o'clock, one cliff bar at four o'clock, and then Chipotle burrito for dinner to get all the calories back. So um, you think I'm skinny now? I get I get pretty skinny during the summer with all the walking as yep, well. But yep. um, you get that back in the on the off season. So yeah, cliff bars they are they're amazing. So many so much energy from them. But yep, lots of lots of carbs, yeah, high sugar. All exactly. That, yeah. What was your why, and what were your thoughts on days that you were struggling? Um, yeah, that's a good question. You have a, you have to have a solid why with this job, as you know. Um, and coming into the season, I, I really didn't have a why. Um, my why was this was my only option, you know, which is <laughs> it's pretty solid. But um, Tristan and Brent helped me kind of find find my why uh, midsummer by doing the seven layers deep exercise, where you start off with the first mm-hmm. question: uh, Why do you come out to EcoShield? Ninety nine percent of the guys is to make more money, and you take the answer as the next question. And really, what it came down to is. Um, because I want to become the best man I can possibly be and help out as many people as I possibly can. So um, EcoShield allows me to do that. So knowing that in the back of my head, um, whether it's helping out family, you know, people in need, um, that really pushed me um, during the summer when I was struggling. So there'd be days out there, you know, if I was bageling, I was getting teeth kicked in, um, I would have that in the back of my head that, okay, I'm doing this because I want to help those out um, that are, are, le- are very less fortunate than me. So that's, that was my why. What keeps you driven while out there, and how do you shake anxiety before the doors? The top 10 rookie competition kept me driven. Competition equals growth and success, simple as that. 
Um, the top 10 overall is going to keep me driven this year. Um, and then how do I shake anxiety? Um, uh, I don't have anxiety in the doors simply because I meditate in the morning. Um, meditation helps with anxiety. Simple as that. How has he changed since joining EcoShield and accomplishing his goals? Oh, this is a great question because uh, <laughs> before EcoShield and looking back, looking back, it's just I'm two different people now. It's hey, just I get it. It's insane. Um, but all in all, I've just become a better person um, in, in every aspect of life. Uh, this last year, you know, uh, you ended up filling the shoes that you said you were going to. You accomplished your goals. What are your goals for this next year, and what should we expect to see? Hit partnership. That's my main one. Um, uh, the biggest one is just provide the experience. I had my rookie summer for all my reps. Mm. I want my reps to have the best rookie summer possible, not even earnings-wise, just the experience, because this is a crazy experience. It's a life-changing experience. So mm -hmm. um, partnership, best experience for my guys. And then personal, I want to sell. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell 500K. Um, and if that doesn't squeeze me in the top 10 overall, that's whatever. I can't control that, so um, I could care less. But I think 500K will, will put me in top 10 overall. What's your secret to get out of the car and hit your first door immediately? Going to area, we, uh, I stopped at a gas station right before I get to area, use the bathroom. And keep in mind that that stops for one minute long. Hop out, use the bathroom right before I get to area, so I have to go the rest of the day, right? Hop back in my car, I put my tool belt on. Um, this is huge because when I arrive to my first door, um, I'm out the door and I'm not gonna ready. I don't have to get ready or anything mm -hmm. like that. So, um, but just mentally wise, um, I love this job, so I'm pumped to get out there. A lot of guys have anxiety opening the doors, but I, I need to get that. The way Brent puts it is the best. I need to get that first no out of the day, out of the way, um, because there's a little bit of anxiety, you know, before knocking your first door sure. of the day. So I need to get out there and you get that first no. I don't care. I only sold uh, the first first door I talked to once this summer. So um, the majority of the time I'm getting out there, I'm getting that first no. I can relax, right? Okay, now it's time to get in the groove. How often do you take breaks through your day? So, like I said, I eat Cliff Bars at 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock. Um, and this is kind of funny. Um, so those what I would consider my two breaks during the day. I don't really take breaks. Um, but uh, here's how I take my Cliff Bar break. So, um, you know, if 1 o'clock rolls around, 1-ish or whatever, um, <laughs> this is kind of crazy. But um, whatever time it is, I, I break it down into five-minute increments. So I'll give you an example. Let's say it's, it's 1.03. I have until 1.05 to finish that Cliff Bar. So that's a two-minute break. Um, say tomorrow, you know, it's 104. I got to hurry up, eat the cliff bar because I get a one minute break. So it's always a max of five minutes and a minimum of one, if that makes sense. I always go to the next five minute mark. So let's say it's like 112. Okay, I have three minutes. I get it. Yep. Okay. That's how, I, that's how, that's how when I was working on the farm when I was younger, that's how I would do it too. I wouldn't take any breaks. Once again, working on the farm, it's, <laughs> it's a thing. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, hey, that's, that's it. And uh, hey, thanks so much for coming in, man. Yeah. Uh, really glad we were able to sit down and talk. Good time, and, man. I'm looking forward to next year yeah. after your top 10 overall, having, <laughs> having the same conversation from a different perspective. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll Appreciate see you it.